1: This podcast is part of
2: the Planet Broadcasting Network.
1: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
2: This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. For a limited time, Amazon Prime members can start an Audible membership and save 66% on your first three months, a total of $30 off. Visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500, 500 to get started today.
3: Hello and welcome to <laughs> Book Cheat Podcast.
4: That's that, Yeah?
3: Uh, I'm Dave Warnicky, and uh, today is the, this is the podcast where I read a book and I compress it for you so that you don't have to compress it for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who are my guests this week? Well, guests on the show this week are internet celebrity, Beck Petraeus.
2: Hello. Yay. Hi, Beck. I'm waving. And another special guest.
3: And man about the house and uh, uh, sort of a podcaster and uh, (laughs) guided meditating guy Alistair George William Trombley Birchell.
4: Hi (laughs) Earl.
1: Yeah, you guys, this bit is not when does it stop? (laughs) Let's commit to to it for the rest of the thing. We can start
3: again if you like. Do you want
2: me to give you his laptop and you can
1: Yeah, just flip it
3: around. Read my notes. I can. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not so bold as to say no.
2: <laughs> no, oh. but It won't work because I've also read the book. Because uh, I am Dave Warning. I'm going to reclaim that if that's okay. okay. That's, a,
3: that's completely okay. I don't mind you appropriating that. Thank
2: <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. It is Book Cheat. Dave here with Beck and Al. Mm-hmm. Th- uh, uh, I you probably didn't notice there, but Alistair was riffing the intro. Mm-hmm. Fantastic work.
1: Amazing impersonation. Yeah. yeah. The accent down Yeah, pat. You
3: really nailed my voice. Thank you very much. And I've nailed your look. For those who are not, <laughs> mm. can't see me right now, uh, I am wearing a Christmas jumper. That's definitely part of my... I, no pants? And I have lost 95 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many have you got left? I am now 22 <laughs> kilos. Kil- kilograms and years old. Oh, fantastic. Oh, so now I'm exact uh, Dave Warnicke measurements.
1: That's also in the number of bones Dave has.
3: Yeah,
2: that's true. Nineteen of them are in my face. Yes. The other three spread out throughout the rest of my body. Just jumbling around in there, <laughs>
4: clacking around. They're all
3: structural. Yeah. <laughs> oh, none of them are ornamental. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. And the rest just works on cartilage. I'm a jelly boy with cartilage.
2: <laughs> yeah, just roll around.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. Joining me in the Booktreat Library, as I sometimes mm-hmm. refer to it as um how's it been going you're both returning guests so great to have you back thank you so much have you been reading anything lately don't disappoint me
3: no absolutely i have <laughs> continued to attempt to finish my favorite book Ooh, please tell us white noise by don <laughs> you Delito. told us about this last time. yeah well uh, all right
2: so it's been a few months have you progressed through the pages it's not all? been a
3: few months it's probably been over a year since i did this podcast with you i reckon
2: six months I'd six say. months mm.
3: okay well I have been reading this book for about seven years. And it's my favorite <laughs> wow. book. And I pick it up and I read three pages and then I go, man, that's good. <laughs> and then I put it down for about nine months. Oh, and then cool. and then I pick it up. And then it's occasionally I, I I go on a trip by myself, and then I read about ooh, 90 pages. And then I I put it down, I go, Oh, God, that's so good. Like that. And then I I forget about it for another 13 months.
1: Oh my God.
2: What? And then, so say so you read three pages. Do you reread those three or do you Some, basically remember?
3: Sometimes, if I really like them, I'll just re- reread those ones.
2: Yeah. And have you ever finished it? No.
3: Oh,
1: that's how many pages is, this, is it a thick book?
3: It's only like 300 and something. Oh pages. my God. And, yeah. like, oh, oh my and it's soul. your favorite. It's my favorite book of all time. What if it's time?
2: got a terrible ending? You're telling people that it's a, a, your favorite book mm. without knowing how it finishes. Maybe someone else has read it and they're like judging you harshly.
3: He's. He somehow uses magic, and it's so funny without really there being any jokes and even actually, when there are jokes, I almost feel like that ruins it. I just find everything that the people say in the in the in the book is so funny because they say things that are so ridiculous so confidently because they're American and they're their opinions, and it's this kind of i think i think it must be a satire. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. I haven't oh my I haven't managed to finish reading the book so I definitely haven't read any analysis the, what, of the book. What if
1: the satirical point at the end is really problematic?
3: It doesn't bother it? me. The journey was so good. Oh.
1: It's oh. been a, it's
3: been most taken most of my life to get to this yeah, point. wow.
1: Wow. That's so I couldn't stand to do that. Yeah. Every book I pick up mostly, I will read it in a day. I d- it's rare that I ever have a book even, no matter give me any size book, I'm like got to get this out of the way because it'll consume my life. Yeah. But this has like, it's like a background thing. It's kind of beautiful but also I hate hate it so much.
2: It's okay. Well, that's fantastic. So, Beck, have you been reading any books?
1: Oh, no. Well, sort of. I mean, uh, emails aren't books. Uh,
3: (laughs) They should release them as books. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
1: Mine are, wow. I put a lot of effort into them.
3: Gmail is releasing a book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is it a best of
3: it's a best of emails <laughs> the, the best email
2: <laughs> the top 150 emails ever yeah. sent
3: or 150,000 oh that's good oh, that's i think amazing. i have that many in <laughs> that's my, accurate inbox. To my inbox oh my god i do too it's mm.
2: just it's terrifying watching that number go go up now it's over 5000 unread now and there's no coming back that's <laughs> just, like that's like 36 hours of clicking if I did it.
1: but And you'll never know. if There might be an Uber Eats voucher in there, it oh, no. doesn't
2: matter.
3: There's no way of accessing it quickly. There's no search terms that you can no, use to find that. No,
2: you have to, chronologically is the only way to scroll. Yeah. Mm. 50 mm. at a time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been, look, I got real hard back into comics, which I, I think they count as books.
2: Hardback comics?
1: Ah uh, no! he okay, just got,
2: got hardback into them.
1: Huh? I got hard back into the <laughs> digital. I love comics. a hardback. Love a hardback.
3: <laughs> I do. I also love a hardback. <laughs> but I would consider that more of a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. So you but you're reading them digitally.
1: Yeah, I okay. downloaded the Marvel Now app, uh, which I I used to read all the time, and then I sort of dropped off. And is, there a, is there a is there a
3: Marvel Later app? <laughs>
1: Get out of here, mate. Nah, that I'm
3: joke's just, too just good joking. for
2: this
1: room. Which,
2: which character are you uh, mostly into at the moment?
1: Uh, I'm into a whole lot of them. I like Black Widow. I like Winter Soldier. I like Hawkeye. Uh, ca- yeah, I d- never liked Captain America. Now I'm back in again. Okay, what about Spider-Man? Do you like him? I do like Spider-Man, but I already read a lot of that back in the day. Same with okay. Daredevil.
3: What about Gambit?
1: Nah.
3: <laughs> hey, mon chéri. Like that, and he says that. <laughs> What's and that mean? He, uh, my... my- my my cherished my oh, cherished right. one, you know.
1: That was my cherry.
3: My cherry. Hey, my cherry. <laughs> <laughs> um, that sounds
4: good. Yeah, but you
3: know, he throws cards; they blow up. That's cool. That's yeah. cool.
1: that is. I I don't know why I haven't got into Gambit. I think I haven't really go- gone over to the X Men side yet. Well,
2: as a kid, watching the I used to love the X Men cartoon show, and he was definitely my second favorite mm. after Wolverine.
1: See, I didn't watch that show. Maybe that's why I haven't got this.
3: Loved it. What about the guy who go? He would go through walls happening? and things like that. A night night hawker. Nighthawk. Night Night Stalker. Stalker stalker. I, I
1: don't think we've hit it yet, but I think we're close. Yeah.
3: I think I feel think that night Jake, no. that Jake G- Gyllenhaal Hall movie had the same name. Had a similar name. You know the one where he was a photographer and he would go to crashes?
1: Yeah, I know the one you mean. I think that one has the same name as I what his name was is. Because I thought it was a movie about Alan Cummings' character for X Men. God, what's the name of that?
3: Uh, I'm looking it up for you because it's going to kill you.
1: But the other thing I've – and then through comics, when I ran out of comics to read, I've yeah. just dived straight back into fan fiction. And I wonder if anyone's talked about that on Book Sheep before because I don't know if it counts as books, but it's good. Oh,
2: cool. It's Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. But yeah. you're thinking I should do some fan fiction? Is that what you're su- suggesting?
1: A hundred percent no, unless you want to just like read like maybe like a few chapters of good – writing that you're like, wow, this is really good, and then it just immediately just pivots and goes. And then someone gets, oh, I can't. You said not to say anything un-G rated. It basically gets un-G rated real quick. I do you get
3: un-G rated. Yeah, like people get amorous.
1: People get real amorous. Yeah. There's a bit of.
3: The cuddling.
1: <laughs> I didn't know what the word frottage meant, but now I do because it's a tag in a lot of them. Ooh. And then you have to go. Do I want to read this? It sounds like it's a good story, but then also you just got to put up with someone who. Is
3: frottage the French word for cheese? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. It goes with my cherries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my cherries.
3: <laughs> my cherries and
4: frottage. <laughs>
1: but, but do you know what? There are, I'm, I'm doing it a disservice. There are really good free things that people have just put up there right and put their heart and soul into and can't make money off but well, they them.
2: have to have fritage is that like that's no, a, that's a guarantee it's, it's not a guarantee mm. but it
1: just that's is something rule. that sometimes sneaks in and you're like oh that yeah, well okay yeah right yeah and it's look there's okay stuff it's for when you run out of comic books to read
3: sure and I'm, i imagine that marvel has quite a limited collection <laughs>
1: they only oh, they have like Hundo Thousand Hundo. get out uh, of them in the right? not and then...
3: Gotta get into those Nightcrawler. Does he ever get his own comic? And He doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm sure he would. We've got a book to talk There's about. There's a book
2: to talk about. There's a, bo- a book this. to talk about. There's no frottage in this book. Oh. So sorry. There's no cherries in could, this
3: book. Could there be any frottage in the subtext?
2: Yeah, or in your Ooh. fan fiction there could be. Great. <gasps> your spinoff of this. I'd love to have some a spinoff of this. Now, Beck, I've told you the book, but Al, I haven't told you the book.
3: I'm ready to be amazed.
2: The book this week that I've chosen to talk about on a
3: Book Cheat is... Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Oh my god, I've been wanting to hear about this. <laughs> really? Yeah. Legit. I legit have. Is, is that what um
1: It's the name of my Apocalypse biography? now was
3: based off. Apocalypse of? Now is very loosely based on Le- That's, it, what, yeah, that's right. why I want to know what the real one is about. I opened it up once. It
1: was, <laughs> it
3: you was, read a page. Put you, it no, down. No, yeah. three pages. Please. Oh for was, my sake, I'm so sorry. It was very dense. Did you feel, find it dense? Yes, dense
2: language, a lot of our description, but very beautifully written too. I thought mm. yeah, great. Which well, I mean, we can talk about this. Um, but neither of you've read Heart of Darkness, then?
1: No. And apart I, from
3: the time you picked it up, I picked it up and then I did put it down. Oh, I haven't
1: even touched it.
3: <laughs> oh wow! Well, hopefully it will touch you. Oh, I, will I, it? In my retelling? Oh, okay. For me, it was just a—it was an act of frottage <laughs> and then I put it back down.
1: <laughs> and we're done.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, uh, it's been suggested by a few people, so people can suggest what I talk about on the show. And if you want to do that, there's a link in the description of this episode. Mm. Uh, You just fill out a little form. And I've been uh, requested to do Heart of Darkness by Ryan Kenrick from Birmingham, Harvey Wiseman from Melbourne, Tink from York in the UK, Mm. Fintan Vaughan from Dundalk Island, Sam Simon from Dublin, Ireland, Nate Dawes from Georgetown in Canada, and Haritz Abiyudo from Indonesia. Thank you to all those beautiful names.
3: You know, Harvey Wiseman is a listener of my podcast too in the Think Tank as well.
2: Oh, this is an absolute treat for him.
3: Yeah, abs- I mean, what a crossover episode. <laughs> this is this is for you, Harvey.
2: Yeah, this is for you, Harvey. <laughs> Thank you to those legends that uh, did suggest it, but wow, no. this is fortunate.
3: <laughs> I mean, maybe Harvey suggested that I be on this podcast. Yeah, that a thing that he, maybe he did? Yeah. Great.
2: I'm checking checking the stats now, he definitely said that.
3: Yeah, great. Beck, a fan of your work too.
1: Yay. <laughs> Has he been just following me around?
2: Yeah, yeah, just a fan of your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, I I get coffee sometimes. Wow. Should. So so relatable. Yep. <laughs>
4: She's just like one of us.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, first published in 1899, just a background here. Heart of Darkness is a novella read, short novel, by Polish British novelist Joseph Conrad. What year? 1899. Wow, that's so long ago. Yeah. Pfft. Numbers! Yeah. From before. And so it's one of the most acclaimed and debated books of its era. It was published when Joseph Conrad was 42 years old. Doesn't sound that remarkable. But it's quite amazing when you consider he did not speak English fluently until he, in, he was in his 20s. Yeah, wow. And he was able to write hmm. a very eloquently written book. My God. Uh, set in Africa, its depictions of Africans are sometimes accused of being racist. Oh, is sometimes accused, Uh, something that has been debated about by scholars and people studying it for decades. Sure. So Hmm. maybe... This is like the way that I've
3: been studying the book that I've been reading for decades. Yeah, that's right. They pick it up, (laughs) read read three pages, they go, man, that's good. and then They (laughs) They put it back on the shelf. And they go, well, he's a bit racist, though.
2: And you go, wait to the end. Yeah. It all explains
3: itself. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, The main character is a steamship captain on the Congo River, a job that the author Conrad actually had in his 30s. So... In that way, it's heavily based on his earlier life.
3: May I ask? Yes. When you say steamship captain, do you mean a riverboat captain or an ocean boat captain?
2: A riverboat. Great. Yeah. Does he wear a hat? I assume so. I was imagining him wearing a hat.
4: Hmm.
3: And do you think that there's a rivalry between riverboat captains and ocean boat <laughs> captains?
2: Well, in this story, our guy. Is both. Wow. <gasps> he makes the jump. He's the first to make the crossover. That's
1: amazing. Can you believe that?
3: This is actually really exciting for me.
1: I um, I asked someone at uh, my local hairdressers that's a chain, a uh, hair house warehouse, I was like, are you rivals with the hairhouse warehouse that's across the road in the other building? And they were like, yes, and then she got real angry and cut my hair real angry. Well, So, so be careful if you're this, asking about rivalries. Are there legitimately
2: two hair house warehouses?
1: There are, yeah. Why? And no idea. But I was like, I like what, your one better. I got real scared. <laughs> I made a mistake. Anyway, don't ask. I, I'm scared about asking about it.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll stop interrupting, especially to do with rivalry. Rivalry
2: well, is a scary Do not.
1: You'll you get a real just, messed up haircut. You
2: cannot afford to th- make anyone with a pair of scissors
3: upset. Or no. a person with a steamboat.
2: Yes, that's true.
3: But
1: They're not going to run out of steam.
3: Yeah, or who buy ink by the barrel. Don't piss them off. Do not. Ink
1: by the barrel. That's
3: what they say they, when they talk about don't. Uh, make fun of anybody who has a printing press, you know, who basically oh. who works in the media, because then they'll they'll they'll. they'll um, s-
1: I just thought you make because they'd be real rich because ink is very expensive. Yeah,
3: there's also that. Don't get rich enemies they can afford. Um, <laughs> yeah. good
2: lawyers, hitmen. All right, and <laughs> good, good and lawyers, hitmen. Same thing, am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, part one. So there's three parts to this story. Okay. Yeah. And I always read the opening line. So the opening line to set the scene is, uh, the Nelly. A cruising yawl swung to her anchor without a flutter of the sails and was at rest. The flood had made. The wind was nearly calm and being bound down the river, the only thing for it was to come to and wait for the turn of the tide. Quote. And thus begins Heart of Darkness. Our book opens on a ship called the Nelly on the mouth of the Thames River outside of London.
3: And then he rides that all the way to Africa?
2: No. So five men are on the deck killing time before the tide goes out, so they can't go anywhere. On the deck we have the captain, a lawyer, an accountant, a man named Charles Marlow, and our narrator recounting the story to us. This narrator is never named. Right. But they can't go anywhere until the tide comes out, and one of the men, Charles Marlow, starts talking out loud about what it would have been like for the Romans to sail up the Thames when they landed in England 1,800 years earlier. Mm. He says, they grabbed what they could, Get for the sake of what was good to be got. It was just robbery with violence, aggravated murder on a great scale, and men going at it blind, as is very proper for those who tackle the darkness. The conquest of the earth, which mostly means the taking it away from those who have a different complexion or slightly flatter noses than ourselves, is not a pretty thing when you look into it too much.
3: (laughs) Starting to see some of those racist uh, undertones.
2: Yeah, and that's talking about Romans there too. So he's just sort of spitballing. I get the feeling that he's the kind of guy that any time that there's silence, he fills it with his own voice. Yeah. So he speculates what it would have been like when England was a dark place in the world, quote, and it reminds him of a time in his life when he captained a steamboat up the Congo River in Central Africa. He was at the time an experienced sea captain. Whoa.
1: Uh Oh, What?
2: But after a long journey through Asia, he wanted a new challenge.
3: Riverboat captain. Yeah,
2: riverboat captain.
3: Go the enemy. He joined. He betrayed his his. He was like a, a race trader.
4: <laughs> oh dear.
3: <laughs> to the, his race of seaboat captains.
1: Oh, I'm I'm out of this goof. I don't I'm, want to be involved. You could have said he
2: jumped ships.
3: See, that's yes. better. That's better. <laughs> yeah, jumped.
1: I'm not scared of that
3: No, I know But I was just trying to use Extreme language To describe something Relatively mundane
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, comedy I'm there now I understand
3: Conceptually (laughs) Mm. Well done (laughs)
4: Uh,
2: This guy, Charles Marlowe, Recounts that as a child He was fascinated by maps Of Africa, South America And Australia Vowing when he grew up To go to the blank spaces On the maps Because when he was growing up There were lots of places That were uncharted Even though the blank spaces Had been filled in And had since become Quote places of darkness he was still very keen to head to africa his aunt gave him a connection and put him in uh, put in a good word and before he knew it he was on his way to the continent to work for an ivory trading
3: company in the belgian congo
1: oh this guy's problematic as hell <laughs> what's he doing doing that stop that
3: i know but think about it back in those days there would have been so much ivory you know all these elephants that hadn't been killed yet <laughs> you know back it would have they would have been plentiful oh it's so many it's like the con- mm. the ca- get, like eating beef, yeah, you can exactly. Pop they- down
1: to the shops, get a tusk.
3: The continent would have been flooded with all this megafauna: elephants, rhino, hippopotamus, things like that. Bountiful, uh, you know, uh, with ivory that you could cut off and then eat their elephant legs.
1: Do they do that?
3: I don't know if you eat elephant. People oh. must eat elephant. I think I think Mugabe had elephant at his mm. at his ninetieth birthday when
2: right, yeah, and Mugabe. He does all the right things.
3: <laughs> I'm not saying it's the right <laughs> thing, but, you know, when you got a tusk and you're hungry, you're probably going to eat yeah. some of that leg. When in Zimbabwe, am yeah. I right? Exactly.
1: What was the big Flintstones thing? Was that elephant?
3: Stegosaurus.
1: Oh, yeah, they had dinosaurs. Steaks
3: or, or like, drumsticks?
1: Stegosaurus.
3: Stegosaurus.
1: Spaghettosaurus. <laughs> I want them back.
3: Bring them
4: back.
1: Are they already... Maybe they're still there.
3: Hey, Walt, Walt, Walt... While we're Sorry. saying silly things, yes, please. You know when you mentioned that the um that the narrator is unnamed, yes. Do you think he could be that horse with no name? <laughs> I was gonna suggest
1: that maybe he needed one, and that you should give him one. What, oh, do you okay. reckon, what, do you, what do you reckon his vibe is? Do you reckon he's like a Steve?
3: I reckon he's like a Jerry. Jerry, yeah, cool. So yeah. You, you think it's a guy? Yeah, yeah.
1: sexy.
2: Type. Does he ever mention his
3: Oh, Jerry genitals? with a D double G-E-double-R-I. Okay, yeah, never mind. Yeah, oh, correct. Jerry could be a girl, actually. Yeah. It could be G- yeah.
1: G-E. It could be Geraldine. That's actually a really good choice. I've also been thinking it's called Marvel Unlimited App. So I'm sorry, you joke. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's not important. I'm just scared of what did you call geeks that? coming up to me. Marvel Now. Different they've, thing. Already, they've already tweeted. Oh, they've already yeah, tweeted at I'm me. So
3: now
2: they're sending one saying, sorry, you corrected <laughs> you're correcting <laughs> it.
3: You're already dead at this
2: point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. There's no second chance. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: cancelled
2: so this guy Charles Marley is talking about um, how he applied for the job got the job it, he had applied at the right time apparently because the old steamship captain had just been murdered by locals
1: oh, that is oh the perfect time to apply for a job like, oh, that, oh there's been a murder yeah
2: the old guy was murdered would you like to start tomorrow
1: <laughs> <laughs> love oh, that
3: oh my god I didn't mean an opportunity like this doesn't just come up
2: <laughs> <laughs> so basically our the story is mostly told by our narrator Jerry, yep. who's just quoting Marlowe's story that he told to him. So okay. most of it is just written in quotation marks Yeah, right. from the first person of Marlowe.
1: So it's not – wait, so he's not telling his story. He's telling a story that was told to him of someone else?
2: Yeah, so he's like, he's like oh, basically when I was on this – a uh, boat called the Nelly on the Thames one time with this guy called Charles Marlow. He told me this wild
3: story, and I went a little something like this.
1: Yeah, cool. Th- that kind of feels like it's nicking his gear.
3: So Marlowe is it was the river boat, ca- the sea captain turned so river boat captain. Yeah, steamboat. and he was on a boat with him in the Congo. Hmm.
2: No, in, on the Thames in on outside the London, Thames. and they're like playing dominoes and stuff, and it's super boring, so because they just have to wait for the tide. And he's like, oh. The, ro- oh, the Romans. Imagine what it'd been like when they came through here.
4: Oh, probably
2: would have been a little bit like that time that um I went to Africa. Let me tell you a little little yeah. thing about that.
3: And so wait, yeah. yeah, but he he was in Africa with Marlowe. No, Marlow just tells him the story. This is like oh, so Marlow is the guy on the Thames. Yeah. Okay, right. Apologies.
2: And the narrator has just written it down for us.
3: Great. Okay. Hmm. So the narrator's in the Thames, and he's the other guy next to Marlowe and he's telling the story about some other guy.
2: No, Marlow's telling a story of his own life. Okay. Does that make sense? So there's one guy who's narrating, who is the narrator, okay. writing down a story that his friend Marlow told him.
1: He's oh, like, my That's... good Lord.
3: I love yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I'm so sorry that I was so confused. I thought there was our guy, narrator. <laughs> there yeah. <laughs> was three guys. And then he was telling you a story about a, a guy that he worked with who told him a story.
2: No, okay. no, no Marlow was just a guy who 30 years earlier or whatever, decades earlier, when he was a young guy, went to Africa, and now he's lived to tell the tale, and he's telling Jerry. Can you do
1: graphs in podcasts? I feel like we need a graph.
3: I apologise for my um, ignorance. No, that's
2: fine. Basically, All you really need to know about is the guy, Charles Marlow. He's our main guy. Yeah. He tells us – so he's he's replacing a guy that was killed on the steamship. He tells us his predecessor's name was Fresleven and that later, out of respect, he went and collected the dead man's bones and gave him a proper burial – He'd been killed over a fight with some locals over some chickens and his body was left where it lay. By the time Marlowe got to him, quote, the grass growing through his ribs was tall enough to hide his bones. Yeah. he has anyway. been there for a bit, I reckon. Yeah, so yeah. so he's, uh, he's thrown forward there. To just give us an example of what he's about to get him, himself into. Mm. But he takes the job. He sets off for Africa having the feeling that he is setting off for the centre of the earth on a French steamship that travels down the coast of Africa. The journey takes 30 days, but he finally makes it to the mouth of the river. But really, this is just the beginning of his journey, having to travel another 30 miles on another steamship up the river.
3: So it was a return journey. Well, he doesn't know if he's ever going to come back. Oh, right.
1: Hey, oh. and has he got the bones or has he already got rid of the bones?
3: Oh, no, so the
2: bones, he was just like, oh, later on I got that guy's bones. Oh, the bones was my favourite character. Oh. I was excited
1: to see if it came alive.
2: No, the bones aren't coming to oh, life. Okay. He's very, very dead.
1: Oh, my shame.
2: A <laughs> guy, Milo, finally makes his first port of call, which is the company's station on the Congo River, but he's not impressed by what he finds. He finds broken down, decaying machinery littering the place. Then to Marlow's horror, he witnesses six African men chained together at the neck, balancing baskets of earth on their heads. The men were extremely thin and passed within six inches of him, but didn't even look up. These enslaved men were referred to as criminals and refer- uh, forced to work for the company. Yeah, that's and not- he's quite upset by what he sees. And if that wasn't disturbing enough, he then witnesses uh, dying African men lying against a tree. He describes the scene as, quote, the place where helpers had come to die. Ah. He says they were dying slowly. It was very clear. They were not enemies. They were not criminals. They were nothing earthly now, nothing but black shadows of disease and starvation, lying confusedly in the greenish gloom. End quote.
3: I hope this book has a happy ending. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is called Heart of Darkness.
3: <laughs> well, let's hope that all of those people are... Have a nice dinner at the end of the movie, where they then feel good. Hopefully, fingers crossed. (laughs) It's
1: a it's a movie now.
3: Oh yeah, it's a book. But (laughs) but you're making a movie in my mind. Yeah, is that what I'm doing to you right now? That's beautiful. I'm seeing all the imagery.
2: Am I an
1: auteur?
3: You're absolutely an auteur. Thank you so much. You're by, you know, most aute- auteurs just read the words, a <laughs> yeah. summary of the words of another auteur.
2: Yeah, basically. I and mean, it go- the- goes on and on and on for the
1: rest You're of it. You're doing the- what mm-hmm. the dude in the book did. You're telling us yeah, about something you. It, it, who- con-
2: it is confusing that I am now re- recounting no, already- a story recounted mm. by a narrator of a guy that he was once on a ship with. Yeah. Love that. I'm the real Jerry.
3: <laughs> Jerry Warnicky.
2: So that's his first, basically, experience of the the suffering that's going on in the Belgian Congo at the time. And it was a horrible time for Africans in, in, in this part of the world. And then in complete contrast, he then meets the chief accountant of the station, a white man who he describes as, quote, I saw a high starched collar, white cuffs, a light alpaca jacket, snowy trousers, a clean necktie and varnished boots, no hats, hair parted, brushed, oiled under a green lined parasol held in a big white hand.
3: He was amazing.
1: He sounds like um, Colonel Sanders from KFC.
2: Does sound a bit
3: like that. Mm. Sounds like he would have like lots of available sort of, you know, deep fried chicken as well. Mm. He seems well fed. He just comes across as well fed, mm-hmm. even though know, they didn't mention how portly he might be. But Does you're he know in how your how mind, to, The yeah. movie in your mind, says well fed. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I was just going to talk about chips. Don't don't mind me. <laughs> Keep talking about the book.
2: <laughs> uh, well, he's talking to the chip guy. Colonel Sanders, the accountant. Marla converses with a well-dressed man uh, who tells Marla that once he heads up the river, he will most likely meet a man named Mr. Kurtz, a man he describes as a very remarkable person. Remember that name, Kurtz. I will. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He explains that Mr. Kurtz works for the company as in-charge of an ivory trading post, which at the moment is producing more ivory than all of the other trading posts put together. Mm. He's an impressive man, this Mr. Kurtz.
3: Well, it sounds like he's an elephant murderer. <laughs> <laughs> Producing. Depends I what you're impressed great. by, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: well, yes. Uh, the next day, our storyteller left for a uh, 200-mile trek on foot, accompanied by 60 other men. It takes them 15 days, but they finally make it to their final stop, which is the central station.
3: Mm. Is this where Kurtz is? No,
2: Kurtz is further up the river. Oh,
3: mm. yes.
2: <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. I see what and you're saying. also up the and, river. And, and. But Marlow immediately gets some bad news. The steamer that he was supposed to captain up the river has been sunk. They tell him that they couldn't wait any longer for him. So two days earlier, they decided to go with a less experienced skipper, only to immediately run the steamer into some rocks.
1: Okay. And it's oh sunk boy. to the bottom of the river. Cool move.
2: It's repairable, but it will take months in their current location. And Marlowe thinks to himself that perhaps it was sunk deliberately to keep him from from meeting this mysterious Kurtz. Hmm.
3: What an expensive thing to do.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Although the storyteller isn't sure if that's now him looking back on the situation or if he actually had the thought at the time.
3: It's all very mysterious. It seems to be.
1: Mm. Can I guess what happens at the end of this book? I feel like I did that last time and I was right. I reckon the main dude, no, he's alive because he's recounting the story. He can't die. All right, come back to me soon.
3: Maybe Marlo's been dead the whole time. Yeah,
4: that's good.
3: And Marlo is a voice in the no named narrator horse's head.
2: Right, and now it's in my head.
3: Now it's in your head. And I'm putting it in your head.
1: I reckon. (gasps) As a movie. Mm -hmm. I reckon he drowns Kurt's. I just think someone gets drowned. This feels yeah. like someone's gonna get there's drowned. There's
3: so much water in here. Mm-hmm. It's feels just sitting like there. It's that Chekhov's gun. You're not gonna <laughs> hang that water on the wall and then not use it <laughs> I mean, to drown ridiculous. someone.
2: Chekhov's, <laughs> Chekhov's water.
1: Just trying to hang water on a wall desperately. Chucking it at a hook.
3: Just sort of dipping your hand in the water and flipping it onto the wall. Leaving water stains. Imagine walking to a lounge room
2: and there's just water all over the wall, and you're like, oh no. I'm gonna drown. Some or I'm cool. going to drown
3: someone, which is
2: equally as horrible. I'll have to live with that or I'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, both terrible. Hopefully,
3: options. I'll drown someone, then drown myself. Yeah,
2: thank, that's the only way. And yeah. what an ending.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Curtain. Oh, imagine having to hold your own head underwater.
1: Imagine. What a beautiful thought that you've painted in people's minds.
3: <laughs> Dark. <laughs> I mean, drown. (laughs) But do you want me to talk or to drown? That's confusing.
2: (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Continue. Well, well, so that's your prediction is there will be a drowning. We'll see if that comes true. Marlowe meets with the general manager of the central station, the big boss, who gives him a strange feeling of uneasiness. Quote his eyes. This is an example of uh, a man who did not speak English until he was in his 20s writing this fantastic sentence, his eyes of the usual blue were perhaps remarkably cold and certainly could make his glance fall on one as trenchant and heavy as an axe.
3: Wow. Imagine that. Trenchant. Mm. I don't think I've ever used that word. And I've been speaking English since I was about two. Really? Yeah. Well, before your 20s. Mm. Well, I've been speaking since 23, since about, no, wait, 33 years, which means it's almost... It's only like 10 years less than, what's his name there? Joseph Conrad. Joseph Conrad was speaking because he was speaking, when he was 42, he started reading in his 20s. So maybe that was 20 years, you know.
1: I was like, what were you speaking before that? I'm a dipshit. You we're know, speaking... those two years we're before that? Were speaking French? Was it French?
2: I was French?
3: speaking French from zero to two. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, and then man. you made the switch. And then I switched. I was like, eh, French ain't for me. <laughs> it's not as flexible a language as English.
1: Mon cherie, mon cherry.
2: Mon
3: cherry. <laughs> yeah, just
2: one day. <laughs> Your parents like, what the hell? Marlowe speculates that the only reason uh, that this general manager has graduated to his role is that, unlike most, in three years he hasn't gotten sick in the
3: jungle.
4: Wow. Mm. There's
2: literally so many people dying in the jungle because
3: it's such a... Evolutionary advantage. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know that also worked in business. Hi, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm the CEO, I cannot die. Yeah. Hi, I'm sorry I have a mutation that doesn't allow me to die, but which means uh, it's also helped me get uh, sort of into management positions. <laughs> I'm terrible with people. Yeah. I'm not good with money. I'm not good with this work, but I'm the only one alive. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Yeah.
1: I mean, that sounds like a lot of companies I've worked at.
3: <laughs> it's, yeah. Look, They're it, alive. It genuinely helps.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> The general manager, the man who cannot die, tells Milo that the reason he tried to take the boat out without a captain two days earlier was to relieve the mysterious Mr. Kurtz, who is rumoured to be sick, but they have no way of contacting him. Where's that huh?
3: rumour come from
1: then? Yeah. Uh,
2: people coming down the river. Oh, uh. yeah. Because he sends his ivory down the river, but they, and then they hear rumours of him being quite ill, but they can't... It's... You know, to go back up the river, they have to take the steamship. But they don't have a captain because he was murdered.
3: Mm. Yeah, and see, and see, this Kurtz is really, mm. he's got a lot of mystique around oh, him absolutely. now, doesn't he?
2: Well, he takes the time, this is the general manager, to praise Kurtz and adds to his reputation that Marlow is growing increasingly fascinated by. Mm. He's, he's hearing, everyone's talking about this Kurtz and he's like, I must meet him.
3: Because, like, how many people have you ever met that are that amazing? You know, like he must really know, how, like how to do like close-up magic or something <laughs> yeah. like
2: that. Yeah. I think he's one of those people that just like the eye contact is so good that it just—it's like he's looking into
3: your soul. All yeah. oh, right, but it's like not too much, but it's like like enough, and then he takes <laughs> it away, gives you a break, and you go
2: whoa. and then he
3: pulls a penny out from behind your ear,
2: and you go, That's he's great. got the full set.
1: I feel like he also touches your arm. You know, there's people who come up to you and they're like, "How you doing?" and and you can't, I can't touch no one. No, no but. It's- but- it's I'm scared warm. of that. Yeah, it's and warm. and So they like... touch
2: you and you don't feel
3: like, oh, you think, Yeah, oh, you think, oh.
1: Thank you. Thank you. May
2: I have another?
3: Mm, yeah. Oh, I've got this person's respect. <laughs> yeah. And we only just met. Oh, wow. wow
1: what's
2: that? I, uh, I think he must be like that. Mm. Yeah, great. Well, Marlo's job is to rebuild the boat, a job that will take him three months, mainly because of a lack of supplies. And at this point in the novel, he becomes obsessed by the fact that he has no rivets for the screws.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> Those feel important. Mm.
2: On one page, I counted the word rivets 12 times. He is obsessed. Yeah. He says, What I really wanted was rivets, by heaven. Rivets. To get on with the work. To stop the hole. Rivets I wanted. There were cases of them down at the coast. Cases. Piled up. Burst. Split. You kicked a loose rivet at every second step in the station yard on the hillside. Rivets had rolled into the grove of death. You could fill your pockets with rivets for the trouble of stooping down. And there wasn't one rivet to be found where it was wanted. <laughs>
1: Alistair, no. engineer boy. Yeah. You know rivets. Probably. Okay. Can you just make anything a rivet? Like, because a rivet is just like, couldn't you just get a bit of wood and screw into the wood and mm-hmm. then you sort of have a rivet?
3: Is that true? Al, tell us. Look, I'm starting to realize I don't think I'm, I'm 100% sure what a rivet is. Is, it, is a rivet like a. It's like, like a
1: washer? Like, is but is a,
3: it a it the other side of the screw? Or yeah. is it. I, I thought maybe a rivet was like one of those things that you. You push through, and then it kind of widens on the other side, and it kind of—it's like a nail, but maybe more hollow. And then the the in the it kind of opens up on the other end. People who know anything about anything are going to be upset hearing frustrated. my description of this. I, but it's buying Dave Warnicky some time to look up what a rivet is. Right. Please save us. Rivet definition <clears throat> mm-hmm. from dictionary.com.
1: Yeah,
2: a short metal pin or bolt for holding together two plates of metal. Its headless end being beaten out or pressed down when oh. in place.
1: Okay, like a thumbtack sort of business. Yeah, but. But with a. Sorry.
3: Do you have yeah. a picture? Can you. What if you.
2: Oh, let's Google image this. This is the image
3: of a rivet.
1: Oh, no, that's not a thumbtack.
3: Yeah, right. I'm yeah. so confused. I'm more oh, confused. Oh, see, like, than I was picturing these been. ones up here with, that are hollow like that. Ah. Uh, like that, but. I've yeah. seen
1: them in IKEA.
3: But, um.
2: I, um. If, if if you want me to, people, I will be posting photos of these rivets on Instagram. <laughs> oh so you, you can imagine what we're. Looking you got it. Gotta... I'm looking forward to that post so Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, but keep in mind these are 1899 rivets. Oh, so maybe oh, if you could, I'll find some vintage rivets. Vintage rivets. I'll just
1: rust them up real good.
3: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna talk about rivets that mm. much, you probably should should <laughs> spent more time describing the rivets. I, I
2: should have. No, not you. Oh no! no, I mean, they no, no oh no! Well, Joseph Conrad—he didn't speak English until in his
3: twenties. He doesn't know the conventions. <laughs> he doesn't know that people don't understand everything. <laughs> he
2: doesn't know that in 120 years' time, people will be like, "But what the hell's a rivet?" That's right.
3: He—he he comes from a culture uh, that 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 believe. I think what Plato used to believe that all information is in, already in your head, oh. and you just need to. Uh, reacquaint yourself with it to reawaken like a, it within your mind. Like a
1: big bit of marble that you got to chip away at.
3: Exactly. Yes. All, all of the Alexanders are already in your head. you just got to take away the bits you gotta, that aren't. And
1: then you knock away at your oh brain. No, and Alexander's then, David. A rivet.
2: <laughs> yeah. And then use that rivet to build.
1: <laughs> to Well, just for one bit. Sculpture. And then I guess you're dead.
3: Mm. That's, That's right. It.
2: Well, um I oh, will be posting that. And if there are any um, rivet experts, please get in please contact.
1: Please let me know what a rivet is.
2: Yeah. Well, he asked for rivets, but they never seem to arrive. He's always asking the the people at the camp, can I have some more rivets? And they're like, no worries, buddy. And then people will arrive with supplies and there's never oh. any rivets. <laughs> mm. Actually, I'll
1: forget about this. So definitely tweet me at Beckness and just don't tell me what you're tweeting me about. Just give me give me a description of a rivet that I'll yeah. understand. Or an Thank
2: image you. of a rivet.
1: Yeah, I'm, that's also good. Yeah. Uh,
2: hashtag show us your rivets.
3: Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hashtag put out your rivets on the outside of your front door. <laughs> Rest in peace. Joseph Conrad. Yeah. Unscrew your door. Yeah. Rivets. Put out your rivets. Rivets for rad. Rivets
1: for rad. Are rivets indoors?
2: No.
3: Conrad. Con rivet. They <laughs> <laughs> should have called this book Con Rivet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Marla then meets another character at the station known as the Brickmaster. So apart from himself and the and Kurtz, everyone else is just referred to as their job title so far. But he meets
3: the (gasps) Brickmaster, whose job is to make bricks. Do I need to Google image bricks? (laughs) No, no, I know bricks. (laughs) Hey, in a
1: second, but what?
3: uh... Mud bricks, or were we talking here?
2: Well, we're actually not talking about bricks at all, because this man seems to live more luxuriously than the others in the camp. (gasps) Gold bricks. Well, there isn't a single brick at the station. He's lived there for a whole year, and apparently is missing an ingredient for making bricks. So he's doing no work, but he's living in a pimped out uh, Uh. hut. You're right. which makes uh, Aman Marlow suspicious of this guy. Mm, makes
3: me think they might be bricks of heroin.
2: Oh, Ooh. the real brick. Mm. Well, Marlow notices a painting on the Brickmaster's wall. It features a blindfolded lady holding out a torch. He's fascinated by it. And it's revealed that this image was painted by a Mr.
1: Kurtz. <gasps>
3: so he's also an artiste. Oh, that's Normal. cool.
1: He's got so many layers
3: and and so much life. And if, if we find out that he also does close-up magic, this is going to be cool. Huh? 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 <laughs> Excuse me. Is this your car? <laughs> <laughs> is this your rivet? <laughs> yeah. Yes, give it to me. Oh my god, I needed that.
1: I emptied a hat full of rivets. That'd be great.
3: Pulls a rivet out of a hat. <laughs>
1: all all your ears is full of rivets.
3: He just has a frog that comes out and he goes rivet.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: now that's magic.
4: Yeah.
2: Well, the Brickman then reveals more about this Kurtz fellow, saying that he was a bit of a prodigy, handpicked by the the heads of the company back in Europe and is on fast track to senior management. Within a year, the Brickman speculates he should be deputy and maybe a year later, maybe even full manager. The Brickman also reveals that he hoped to be deputy manager and that Kurtz has probably ruined that plan for him.
1: I worked with this person at Coles, I swear to God. You know those people who are like... I'm going to be the manager. I don't care. Give me oh, I just what? let me stack all the cigarettes up
2: <laughs>
4: in
1: <laughs> silence. Why am I so angry about this? It's okay. You don't want to work at Coles. We get gotta- it. I don't want to. Well, I we,
2: just we gotta, you me don't want to be the manager.
1: I don't want to be the manager. Who does? I just want to stack cigarette boxes. Well, the brick
2: man wants to be the manager, but yes. this man. Kurtz
3: is going to take his mm. job. Mm. You know what made me think? Imagine a brick boat.
1: Oh,
2: now you're talking. <laughs> you don't need a single rivet for that.
3: You don't need a rivet. You just need some mortar. You just need some bricks. Because I think you could make one that floats as long as it, when it displaces the water, the water doesn't go up above the the wall height.
1: <laughs> what? Just... Okay.
3: I think you could do it. think you could do a, a brick boat. that just float well enough. Well, they don't need to float because it just needs to look. I think it could work. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I, I hate look, it so I'll much. have to d- – the next no. episode I come back on in in about 12 months.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, By which time you would have read about four or five more pages of White Noise. Yeah, yeah. White
3: Noise. Um, I'll come back and I'll talk to you about a brick boat that maybe already exists. I don't know. I will have done research. I'll do a report report for Do Go On about oh, brick please. boats.
2: <laughs> a commonly requested topic. You'd be surprised.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the brick man is bagging out Kurtz because he's going to take his job. He's also praising him, because he's kind of impressed by how smooth an operator he is. The man seems to stuck up to Marlow as well, because he thinks that he too was handpicked by the same people in Europe to be the ship's captain. This is untrue, but he does not correct the man as he wants to uh, sort of have a power over him. So Mm. he's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was handpicked. Yeah, I'm powerful. Whatever. Mm. Uh, the end of part one, which is the essentially the whole first half of the book, is Marlowe celebrating a lot when he is told that rivets are on their way.
3: He is very yes. very happy. He celebrates even before he gets them.
2: Yeah, but three weeks go by and they never come.
1: Oh no. And then he gives
2: up on them.
3: This has got to be Kurtz's work.
1: I reckon it's Star Trek's fault. Or maybe yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah.
3: No one ever signs for no it. No
1: one signed for it, or like the bit of paper got lost in the rain. You gotta go down to that warehouse oh. that's in that weird place and go knock and they're like they're always angry you're there. You're like, I'm here to pick up a package. Mm-hmm. They're like, Get out of
4: get here. Out.
1: Well, All
2: we here. have is
3: rivets
1: here.
3: You <laughs> got nothing for you. That's what I want. I want rivets. Ah oh,
1: God don't <clears throat> take more rivets.
3: If you don't claim them, I get to keep those
2: rivets. <laughs> a rivet factory. Yeah. So he doesn't get his rivets, but what does arrive is a group of white men called the El Dorado Exploring Expedition who intent on getting rich by taking any African resources they can. They are no good. The leader of the expedition is the station manager's uncle, and Marlow notices them talking alone together a lot, and it's all a bit sus. End of part one.
3: Whoa. Do you think that they're going to need a riverboat captain? Maybe. I hope so.
2: Hey, book cheaters, Dave here to quickly tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Audible, of course, offering an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products. And listen up, Amazon Prime members. For a limited time, you can start an Audible membership and save 66% on your first three months, which is a total of $30 off. That's like getting three months for the price of one. You'll pay just $4.95 a month for the first three months. And after that, it's only $14.95 per month. This offer is valid for a limited time from the 1st of July 2019 until the 31st of July 2019. And I always provide a recommendation for an Audible audiobook that I've been really enjoying this month. And this month, it makes sense because I've been really enjoying listening to Heart of Darkness on Audible, the version narrated and performed by Sir Kenneth Branner. It's fantastic. He's really a fantastic actor. And uh, I read the book and then I went back and listened to it, uh, read by Kenneth Branner in the car. And man, Maybe if you're like me and you are busy or out and about on the road, that would be my first recommendation would be to, if you want to get more out of Heart of Darkness, listen to the Kenneth Branagh version. If you want to take advantage of this special offer, all you have to do is visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500 and get started today. One more time, visit audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks, Audible. Now back to Heart of Darkness.
1: Is that the cliffhanger? It's a bit sus.
3: Stay tuned. Pretty susso. <laughs>
2: well, actually, um, immediately do stay tuned because part two opens with one night whilst lying on the deck of the steamer that he's repairing. Marlow overhears part of a conversation between the manager and his uncle from the exploring expedition. He's lying there. They don't know he's there. So he's able to hear parts of what they're saying and he tells us what, he, what he's heard. The manager complains about Kurtz, the mysterious Kurtz. Hmm saying that he has aspirations to become a manager and replace him and that he has strange aspirations of wanting to civilise and moralise, in quotes, the African people that he works with, sort of trying to turn them into a new society Mm. where the station manager's like, his attitudes are more a bit like, who cares, just use them, get the ivory and get out. Mm -hmm. But Kurtz is wanting to uh, Mm -hmm. sort of create a society, which he thinks is weird. The manager tells his uncle of a time about a year earlier when Kurtz sent down a canoe of high-grade ivory... But after three miles, he was traveling with the canoes. He turned back basically on his own and went back to his station. When the ivory arrived, it came with a note telling the company to stop sending him inferior men. And then there was a rumor. This is when the rumor started that Kurtz himself was quite sick. And that's why he had to turn back. And Mm. no one has heard anything since. And it's been a whole year. Mm. So the ivory keeps coming. But they don't know anything about the guy.
3: Mm. All right. Do you think he set up an up? Op- sorry you yeah.
1: go? Oh new prediction. Yeah. Yes. He works out how to clone elephants.
3: He ah,
2: worked it out. That's how he gets it. But, so it's yeah. kind of
1: prestige bite elephants.
3: Mm. Or like you know, you know, like those people who grow meat in a lab, but he just grows ivory in a lab.
4: Yes.
1: Nah, I think he likes the death. I All think right.
4: he'd grow he likes, the whole elephant. He likes killing elephants. Yeah, he
1: likes
3: killing mm. the elephants. But he also he, like, he likes killing elephants, but he also likes creating civilizations.
2: Yes, this is
4: true. Around
1: mm. killing elephants. That's the whole thing. Oh, line. yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's
4: still yeah. weird.
3: Mm. Well, I guess, you know, a lot of great civilizations had human sacrifice. You could do the same, similar thing with sacrificing <laughs> elephants.
1: You sounded like you were selling a house just saying, oh, good. I mean, we've got some killer, people who are getting killed over here.
3: Yes, that's fine, Tex, but
1: a big bathroom.
3: Fine. The Mayans? <laughs> Incas?
1: I feel like it's probably, yeah, okay. All
3: right. I'm not sure if they all had human sacrifice, but I know in that movie Apocalypto they had some. That tr- That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. You know what What would be spookiest of all? Human ivory. They oh, killed us for our teeth. Oh, I know no. there's no ivory in there, but you could imagine at some point there was somebody who thought that yeah, there was. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah. You couldn't be sure. Mm.
1: You could make a real tiny piano. One
3: well, of those toy pianos. Or like one <laughs> of those mouth pianos that goes like. Boing, <laughs> dong ding, 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 boing, boing, ding, ding, ding. Do we know those pianos, bit? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a mouth organ. Oh, that's a harmonica. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Imagine that <laughs> someone, uh, <laughs> someone removes your teeth and
2: then they're like, here you go, and they give you a, a mouth organ to play. This is my teeth now? And you've got to
3: talk through that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Of, like, you don't
3: have to, uh, I know the t- teeth don't take away your voice if you remove them, but I'm um, help me, I don't have a voice anymore. have got this organ now. <laughs>
1: With a harmonica, yeah. just
3: <laughs> 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 we took his voice, but we gave him a harmonica.
1: <laughs> just playing real sad harmonica noises <laughs> <just> all the
4: <laughs> time.
3: <laughs> How you doing, Giuseppe? And he goes. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> I don't know.
2: He communicates through song. <laughs>
3: oh, he's having a having a bad day. he, he used to talk so much. <laughs> now he sings with his harmonica. <laughs> Oh. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so sorry.
2: <laughs> well, so our guy, uh, Marlo is still lying on a ship listening to this conversation. The manager also mentions to his uncle, another rogue trader in the area near Kurtz, a wanderer who he does not trust at all. Mm-hmm. His uncle tells him that he should go up there and sort it out by hanging the wanderer to set an example for everyone.
1: The uncles, Usually when you're setting examples, you like just like send an email out, like a group <laughs> email that's like, Hey, yeah. hey man, Hey, man, uh, get out or I'll hang you. Yeah. Um, I think you should turn the toaster down. Everyone stop turning the toaster up, you're burning the toast.
2: Mm-hmm. That sounds like, like an entry from uh, Gmail's 150 <laughs> <laughs> greatest emails.
1: That was actually a very good email. I'm referencing a real email. It was a great email. Everyone, t- t- toasters, you don't actually, those numbers, they're just.
2: It's a definite, It's a, it, it measures time.
1: Yes, it doesn't not heat. measure heat. You're not going to get. So just stop it.
2: Yes, Becky, you and I worked in the same office when people were burning toast every day.
1: Every day. Because they'd be like, like, oh, I'm
2: in a rush. I'll put it on five. No, no, that means it will take five minutes.
1: And then you have like a half an office of people thinking they're having a perpetual stroke.
3: I worked in that office at that same time, and I got to say, yes, this is all true. I'm corroborating (laughs) these two what you would might consider liars' (laughs) uh, stories. (laughs)
4: Thank goodness.
2: Jesus. Hey, I backed you on your Apocalypto
3: claims. Thank you. Yes. After a fair bit of silence. <laughs> yeah. You know, silence that suggested you didn't you didn't tr- trust my story. No, it
2: was messing with me going, has he just forgotten the name of Apocalypse Now? Then I remembered that there was actually a different film mm. called Apocalypto. Great. <laughs> Great
3: Mel Gibson film, but he wasn't in it. Where was he? Behind the I think behind the camera. Oh, he what's was, he doing there? Get, get in front. What's he doing? He was the uh, secret sixth apocalypto man. You know, like how they have like secret sixth beetle or whatever like that? And it was like, oh, it was George Martin. He played the, the classical music part.
1: I think this goof has gone too yeah, deep. Yeah,
3: so I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> We're trapped
1: in something.
2: All right, well, we've got to move on to, so uh, the final part of the conversation here over here is the uncle who's told the general manager, hey, just go up there and hang the guy. You'll be sweet. The uncle also hopes that sickness will take care of their problem in Mr. Kurtz. And having heard enough, Marlow sits up on the steamer, startling the two men, who quickly disperse. Uh oh. Uh And soon after, the El Dorado group group leave and don't come back. So he's freaked him out.
3: Yeah, right. They just don't want people to know
2: that know their business.
1: I'm so scared of people overhearing conversations that I might have. Like I'm, mm. so, I cover up my phone sometimes. I'm that paranoid. But, but are you about? texting about hanging people? All the time. Oh, right. oh no. Oh. I've revealed it. No, but I just, yeah. And also, the yeah, why were they talking about that in such an open, like I, if I was going to talk about hanging someone, mm. like I'd maybe go sit in a, like the corner of a cafe.
3: Yeah. So that's a good get away from people. Yeah. Go to like a cafe. To a cafe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah, yeah, one yeah.
1: will hear you there.
2: Um, I do
3: But also like why would he make himself get seen when he's just heard that these people are, more than happy to take a life.
2: Yeah, I know It, it is a strange move, but apparently they uh, they disperse before they know it's him. They just see someone oh, sit up. Just, okay, we got to get that. That's his claim anyway. But I...
3: there could have been. It could have been Kurtz, for all they know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, finally, the steamer is repaired, and Marlow, the manager, and a group of locals referred to as pilgrims, aka friendlier African men, set off up the river to find this Kurtz. Marlowe is stoked to not sink the ship on day one, having never sailed a steamship before, particularly in these treacherous conditions. Treacherous. Did I say that right?
3: You absolutely Mm. nailed it. Thank you.
2: He describes it as, quote, imagine a blindfolded man set to drive a van over a bad road. End quote. Wow. Who set that blind man to do that? Yeah. And also, this is before vans we know it.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. What type of van was it? I'm guessing a horse and
3: cart. I would have said a Ford, like a Ford Transit. Ford Transit.
1: Did they have like Hiluxes, but they had horses on the front?
3: I think so. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly Poster. the same
2: body shape, but it's uh, just two horses. Yeah. That's
3: cool. It would have been a Tarago, <laughs> with about sixteen donkeys on the
4: front, Woo!
2: pulling pulling people along. Uh, he also said, quote, more than once, this is describing the steamship, more than once she had to wade for a bit, with 20 cannibals splashing around and pushing. We had enlisted some of these chaps on the way for a crew. Fine fellows, cannibals, in their place. They were men one could work with, and I'm grateful to them. And after all, they did not eat each other before my face. End quote.
3: So that's nice. I mean, it's got a little bit of the, uh, I have no problem with what they do as long as they don't do it in front of me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it's totally written like that, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, I guess, uh, I guess cannibals, I probably don't want to see them eating <laughs> yeah. humans.
1: I don't know. I think I'd want to see the meaning like one, just to know it's not me. Like if you go, okay, you're a fool now. <laughs> That's like true. Like if you never see the meeting, that feels suspicious.
2: Well, actually, so apparently he r- writes about it. They come on board and the deal is that they're not going to eat people. So they bring on hippo meat, which starts going off, and then they have nothing to eat. Ah, yeah. oh, these cannibals! Not a good, not a good thing to do.
3: Not a good thing. Hungry cannibals. There sh- should be a lot of fish around in that river, maybe. But
2: they don't like fish; they like humans. I oh, know, but it
3: feels like it's one of those things you would just have like at Christmas or whatever, like turkey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know cannibal. Human all the time. We've got to eat some vegetables and stuff.
1: But also everything tastes like chicken. So just chickens mm-hmm. might be a good option too. It's yeah. interesting they went straight to hippo. Well,
3: that yeah. old riverboat captain got yeah. got chicken. killed over some chickens. Oh. No one's ever been killed over some hippos though. No. Probably. Except for people by the hippos. Yeah. yeah, the hippos. Of, yeah. like un- Under some hippos people have been killed, but yeah. not over them. There was yeah, a yeah. hippopotamus <laughs> eating
1: cake on a hospital once. And I wonder where he got that cake from. Do you reckon he stole it off someone after he put them in the hospital?
3: Oh, no. <gasps> took it from took it from their their tray.
1: Was that a hippopotamus?
3: Yeah, but I don't think it was on a hospital. It was just on a house.
1: <laughs> Why have I put him on a hospital? Well,
3: at some point she does go to see the doctor. Oh. And then the hippo's knee is also bleeding like hers. But then there's a part in that book where she goes, I know we're, I'm doing a different book now. <laughs> no, <but> this, <laughs> this is a sub, sub book. Yeah, <laughs> sub book.
2: Put her- yeah, bullshit. we're bringing her uh, book. Becky said you haven't read anything in a
3: while, and I beg yeah. to differ. <laughs> <laughs> I've read this um, picture oh, book. I forgot. Him. I'm reading constantly picture books. Oh, wow. Because I have a son, and oh. so I'm reading some Dr. Zeus. I'm reading some other names that you won't recognize. With well, Julia Donaldson. Mm. You know, like it's the Gruffalo and uh, oh, that's cool. Zog. And, uh, I love Zog. Do you like Zog? I don't know Zog. Oh, do you Gruffalo. like Mog? Who's Mog again? Cat. Oh, I think... I think I do.
1: Have... The author recently died. Yeah. A... Oh,
3: she's the good lady who did um, the Tiger Who Came to Tea. Yes. Mm, I've read that.
1: Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> do you need this? Would be like the because I know book cheat you read and you summarize and compress. Whereas these would be like little tiny episodes where we summarize picture books. Oh, or that could be good. That would be two, two or, be kind or three of fun. minute mini episodes. Yeah. yeah.
3: There's some good some some good Doctor Zeus stuff. There's some really good you know. Um, there's a Fireman Sam one that's about. Oh. Six pages. That's great. If you want to get through, you go. All right, read you two books before bed, and you're you're done in a minute and a half.
2: <laughs> Amazing, yeah. and you can't argue with that. That's maths.
3: As I love maths. I do. I have time to do some maths with him.
2: Do you say I love maths and then turn the light out and lose? Yeah, Good night. I love maths. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you program them young. They will love maths. Yeah, that's right. Do
1: you love Grug?
3: You know, Grug feels like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a lot of them.
1: How dare you?
3: They are like he wasn't trying when he wrote those.
1: He's, he's yeah. a hairy boy just trying to get about.
3: What is he? Is he a pinecone? Is, <laughs> is he? He looks like a pine tree. That was, was... He a caveman. Yeah,
1: I think he might have been part pinecone. That oh, feels like it. it's... we're
3: looking at what Grug is. Okay,
1: what's Grug?
2: We did it for rivets. We're doing it for Grug. Yeah. Does
1: anyone? I feel like is Grug a
2: international reference? Australian fictional character appearing no appearing in books Oops. between 1979 and 1992.
3: What is a grug? Like he, all the, most of the stories don't make sense. When he, when Kara the snake comes out, it's one of the most hideous looking snakes <laughs> I've ever seen. That's good
1: though; it's teaching Aussie kids not to go near snakes. There's some they're of the, scary.
3: Some of the books, I mean, look, I've read them uh, numerous times, but they, <laughs> they do not hold enough together. <laughs> You've studied them. I've st- oh, I mean, once you read them a few times, you go. I'm sorry, sir, but this was not good writing. <laughs> maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. I mean, the kid likes it, so that's I guess right. he's nailed it, really.
1: I like the idea of Grug, but now I'm worried that maybe maybe he's problematic. Maybe he's not woke enough for this generation. Well,
2: comp- Wikipedia refers to him as resembling a small striped haystack with a face. Yeah, that's uh, what that's, he looks that's like. He yeah. yeah. began his life as the top of a burrowing tree.
1: There we go. Yeah, I thought he was a tree. Oh, well, there you go. Mm. Well, that ah. makes even
2: less sense than I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, anyway,
1: back to um, Africa. Sorry.
2: Well, we were talking about cannibals, but they're drifting along very slowly in this steam-powered boat before 50 miles from where they hope to find Kurt City Station they find a previously inhabited hut but is now abandoned and a pile of wood with a note that says, Wood for you. Hurry up. Approach cautiously.
3: Well, Jesus, hmm. That's an ominous message.
2: They use the firewood to burn and create steam, but Marlow feels it's touch and go without the sh- that the ship will actually make it. The idea of meeting this mysterious Kurtz keeping- keeps him going, becoming almost an obsession by this point. No. He really, really wants to meet Kurtz.
3: <laughs> I mean, he sounds like a great guy. <laughs>
2: yeah. I just want to shake his hand. <laughs> Finally, when just a few miles from Kurtz, the sun sets and Marlow wants to continue, but the manager insists that they should wait until morning because it's unsafe to travel at night, so they do. But when the sun rises, they are surrounded by a dense fog and can't see anything. The crew start to panic when they hear a loud cry from the banks of the river and voices of African tribesmen. Feeling like sitting ducks in the fog, the men on the ship prepare to be attacked, the white men on board being much more terrified than their local crew. The fog lifts before they, atta- before they are attacked, And they continue on their journey before finding themselves in a very narrow channel of water. And suddenly a spear strikes the ship and pierces the helmsman steering the boat. He dies at Marlowe's feet, who jumps on the ship's horn and blasts it repeatedly to scare the local tribesmen away. And this stops any further attacks. Hmm. Oh, that's good. So, So, yeah, but one man did die.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's bad. Sorry if it sounded like I was saying that was good.
2: I, no, th- yeah, That's better than everyone dying.
3: Yeah, that's true. And also the fact that a horn could be such an effective weapon. They, did they try that in the Second World War? They should have. Yeah. Just one big horn. What? Run! <laughs> oh, no, it
2: sounds huge.
1: He's going to need more rivets, isn't he? Are we going to have to hear about rivets? again? a big hole in his shippo.
2: There's no more rivets. In this this part, anyway, mm. for a, so a man's dying at his feet, and for all we can think about is how Kurtz is probably also dead, and how he feels very disappointed by this. He'll never get to meet or shake this man's hand, and how does he vent his frustration? He throws a pair of shoes overboard into the river.
1: <laughs> that like, is what I do. I
2: cannot explain that this passage, but he gets quite mad that Kurtz is probably dead and throws a brand new pair of shoes. It's into like the river. a spare pair. Yeah.
1: You don't really need shoes on a boat. It's kind of like being inside. It's because it's got like what wooden floors. Mm. you would probably messed it up a bit if you just scuffed it with your shoes over and that's over true. again. It's yeah, sensible.
2: Ch- Maybe that's what he was doing. I didn't get dirt through the whole thing. I didn't get mm.
1: that before. It makes sense now.
2: But he admits he was wrong. He flashes forward and says he and uh, to a scene where he does get to speak to Kurtz, and uh, flashes forward to a meeting and uh, tells us more about the man. He was half English. This is Kurtz, half French and had been educated in England and had a fiancé back in Europe. The International Society for the Suppression of Savage Customs, now that sounds like a racist society, had entrusted Kurtz with the making of a report for its future guidance, which he had written. Marlow later read this report, which was eloquently written, but at the bottom a handwritten note had been added by Kurtz that read, quote, exterminate all the brutes. Mm.
3: Oh, no. I mean, is that all of the those people in from from other tribes like from other cultures or is he just saying the really mean ones from the cultures it is unclear i mean look i i want i want to emphasize that i don't think it's okay to kill any any people
2: (laughs) really even though before you celebrated when one man died
3: well i I feel like that was misinterpreted then
2: So Marlow suggests that this note shows that Kurtz had been taken in by the native people's way of life and it had become too much like them. He had assumed a position of power with the locals and had been a participant in, quote, unspeakable rites, implying that sacrifices had been na- made in his name. Mm. So that's all a bit like, oh, okay, Kurtz's character's taken a dark turn. Mm. But we flash back to Marlow on the steamship, so that was a flash forward.
3: Wow, so now we've we've actually we we know that he does meet him.
2: Yeah, we know we know that he meets Kurtz, and they finally arrive at the station where Kurtz is. And as they dock, a white Russian man approaches them. He reveals he was the one that left them the wood and the note. And Marlow realizes that this is the man that the manager had complained to his uncle about, who was uh, hanging around, Mm. yeah, hanging out, possibly stealing. The wanderer, yeah. Yeah. So he's the wanderer, and uh, the one that the uncle said, just go up there and hang him. The Russian tells Marlow that the natives attacked them only because they do not want the white men to take their leader, Kurtz, away. So wow. Kurtz has become leader of the tribe. The trader talks of Kurtz, this is the Russian, as if he is some sort of guru that you listen to rather than talk to and credits Kurtz with enlarging his mind. End quote. Wow. So he's a real, yeah, he's a real, real guru. <laughs> so that's the end of the uh, second part. There's only a short, uh, Final part to go. Beck. do you want to make any predictions? How are you feeling now? I still
1: feel like there'll be a drowning. Okay, no
2: one's drowned. Someone has been speared to death. Maybe yeah.
1: Kurt uh, was ghost all along. Maybe oh, maybe yeah. one That's of them. Too bad. Um, I haven't seen Apocalypse Now, so I can't make any predictions based on actual things, mm. but it was referenced in Buffy once. Okay. So is Sounds Principal like- Snyder going to pop up and then talk to Xander about something?
4: Uh,
3: I I think so. I've nailed it. <laughs> um, I think that maybe uh, our Marlo is going to be romanced by this way of life here, and how he could maybe be do really well, you know. In this, whatever whatever uh, Kurtz has seen is beautiful, and and what he's you know has, has attracted him to this place. Maybe Marlo will also love. And he'll stay there for a bit, but then go back to the Thames and start telling stories. Then, oh, yeah, of course. He's got to get back to the Thames. Yeah.
1: But then he'll – maybe Kurtz dies by elephant stampede. That would be kind of fun. Mm,
3: yeah. Or he falls off a pier into a pile of ivory oh, and that's gets stabbing. pierced by oh, a st- stabber. Uh, not a stabber, but a
4: uh, – What's no, the stabbers.
3: stabbers? On, yeah, what's the stabbers <laughs> on the side Tusks. of an elephant? Tusks. Stabbers Yeah, an elephant's t-
2: stabber. Stabbers <laughs> So ivory, irony right there I like that
1: Ivory and irony
2: Part three Yes The final part A Russian man speaks of when he first met Kurtz They camped in the forest together And he again says the, mi- the man enlarged his mind He remarks that Kurtz shouldn't be judged as a normal man But something else
3: mm. like, it- a, like part man, part beast <laughs> Yeah mm. Great Part elephant. <laughs> More of a close-up magician. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you should 100% judge magicians. Yeah. They've made some life choices that are questionable.
2: So he's still on the, uh, the, the steamship at this point. He looks up the hill with binoculars to the hut where Kurtz lives and sees objects on top of fence posts. He thinks they're ornaments at first, but on closer inspections, he realizes they are human heads oh. surrounding the, this man Kurtz's hut. And he's like, <gasps> that's a bit strange. The Russian says that they are heads of criminals, a comment that makes Marlow laugh because he earlier in the book was told that those African men that were chained together were criminals, and he's like, these people are clearly not criminals. Mm. The so-called pilgrims emerge from the hut carrying the sick Kurtz on a stretcher and bring him down to the boat. The uh, natives that are friendly with Kurtz almost attack them until Kurtz says something and they disappear and allow him to be carried to the boat. So they're clearly obedient Mm. to Mr. Kurtz. Yeah. Kurtz may be sick, but once on board, he is heard yelling at the manager for coming, not to save him, but to claim the ivory. That's his, He says that's all he cares about. The manager quietly tells Marlow that basically he thinks Kurtz is crazy and that the company can no longer use him or his unsound methods. Kurtz finds the manager to be a hypocrite and tells him that he believes... Sorry, Marlow finds the manager to be a hypocrite and tells him that he believes Kurtz to be a remarkable man. This of course pisses off the manager who really expected um Marlowe to take his side.
3: <laughs> well nobody's been talking up the manager. Everybody's been talking up Kurtz. Yeah, yeah, no, no. No one told me you're a child prodigy. Kurtz has better PR. The manager's yeah, exactly. gotta work on, on on his um, you know, I don't know, he's gotta get like a good Twitter going or yeah, something go like Go
1: out that. there, paint some murals elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. cut yeah. off some
3: heads,
2: put them on posts. People <laughs> listen to heads on posts. Yes. The Russian man then confides in Marlow and tells him that Kurtz was actually the one who ordered the attack on the steamship in the fog. His plan was that he hoped it would put them off and make them assume that Kurtz was dead.
3: Uh, which they did
2: assume, but they still went there anyway.
3: Yeah, I don't think that'll stop a bunch of white folk trying to get some ivory.
2: Well, in exchange for this information, Marlow tells the Russian that the manager has spoken about hanging him, so the Russian quietly leaves for good. <laughs> good move. Ah, that night on the ship, Marlow was awoken by a tribal drumming from up in the jungle, and he goes on to check on Kurtz, only to find that he's gone from the steamship. He goes looking for him and finds a trail leading up the hill through the long grass, and at the end of it, he finds Kurtz crawling on all fours back up to his hut. He's nearly back at the camp when he catches up with Kurtz, and immediately realizes that, with one word, Kurtz could have him killed by one of his disciples. So Marlow threatens to smash his head with a rock if he does this, and Kurtz says... I was on the threshold of great things. He is clearly a broken man. (laughs) Imagine being threatened with a rock and you say, I nearly did something good once.
1: But also, like, what? He's like, I'm scared this guy might get people to jump me. I'll threaten him. That'll stop him.
2: Yeah, or he says, if you say anything, I'll break your head with this rock. And he goes, okay, I once did something good. (laughs) (laughs) Marla, who's basically talking a man back from, from a ledge, hears him, uh, tells him that back home he is thought of as a success and convinces him to come back to the ship so he can go home and be a success again. So the two men return to the ship without anyone else knowing that he tried to escape. And the next day, the steamer heads back down the river with the native people watching on as their leader departs for good. Now, the manager is confident that Kurtz will die on the return journey and says, uh, we've all we have done for him, haven't we? But there is no disguising the fact that Mr. Kurtz has done more harm than good to the company. So that's all he cares about. Mm. He also shuns Marlow for his earlier insolence, allowing him to be alone with Kurtz. So it's basically those two hanging out for the rest of the journey. He spills his philosophical teachings to Marlow, who is happy to experience what the Russian man spoke of, having his mind blown. Mm. But then other times he finds him to be completely childish, disappointing our storyteller by speaking often of striving for hollow things like fame and fortune. So he's a bit disappointed.
1: Never meet your heroes, yeah. is, not, especially not the ones that murder people and put them on big old sticks. It's
3: like that movie, you know, that, that documentary that's on Netflix with the wild, wild country.
1: Oh, oh. that is so yeah. – I never knew anything about that.
3: Yeah, and then there was that – you oh, know who's the – the, the Guan <coughs> That guy, and then but Mm. then he kind of like really likes like really expensive watches and things like that. But he's supposed to be like you know, this silver tongued (laughs) devil and he speaks Mm. you know, wisdom and he releases (laughs) but he loves watches, but he loves expensive things, (laughs) you know. And you go, Mm. ah, we're all just human.
2: I feel like this guy's definitely like that. He's saying all this stuff like you should live this way, live this way, and then yeah,
1: I'm a bit disappointed that there hasn't been more elephants in this ivory based story.
4: Mm, Maybe it feels
1: like Game of Thrones season. Whatever the last one was, am no, I right, guys? Because they didn't have enough money or something. Do How we want to
2: have? Do we want to have elephants in this story? Because that
3: would definitely involve them being murdered. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe it's all walrus tusks.
2: Yes. yes. Deep in the
3: Congo. There go. Deep in the Congo, freshwater walrus <laughs> <Yes>. from
1: Sea World. <laughs> yeah. The Sea World that's in the Congo.
3: They just have a a big in ground pool and they breed them like salmon. Maybe that's his secret. That's why he gets so much. Tusks. So many tusks. Because he's just breeding thousands of walruses. These walruses that are more tusk than walls. And when, he says,
2: mm. <laughs> and when he says I was onto a good thing, he means I was making
3: walruses. I was, bre- I was breeding walruses <laughs> that were all tusks.
1: They're a lot easier to murder mm. than an elephant. They're very
2: big. War the manager...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Continue. I
2: was thinking about them. Was, you, you put a movie in my mind then, if I can borrow a phrase from Elisabeth uh-huh. from Virgil. You can. Uh, Worried that the manager and the company will attempt to rewrite his, quote, legacy, Kurtz gives Marlow a bunch of papers for safekeeping. Then the steamer breaks down and realising he won't make it home, Kurtz admits he is waiting for death. And then one day, quote, he cried in a whisper at some image, at some vision. He cried out twice, a cry that was no more than a breath. His final words are the horror. The horror. (laughs) Which is also a scene in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Are
3: they... I wonder if the horror is like when he killed those guys so that he could have use their heads for, as decoration. For the yeah, yeah. Of his butt. Like, I needed Christmas ornaments. Yeah.
2: Kill this man's head.
3: Yeah.
4: Huh. Kill his head. <laughs> <laughs> but leave his body alive. <laughs> I have plans. Yeah. For it. Everyone's like, he's really lusted. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, they bury Kurtz the next day, but then Marlowe gets gravely ill himself and very nearly dies on the return journey which gives him an epiphany, quote, I was within a hair's breadth of the last opportunity for pronouncement and I found with humiliation that I probably have nothing to say. This is the reason why I affirm that Kurtz was a remarkable man. He had something to say. He said it, end quote. So he nearly dies and realizes he's done nothing with his life and that's why he respects Mm. this Kurtz man so much, even if he is an absolute crackpot. At least he said and did something.
3: He said something to to Marlow. Yeah. And to another guy.
2: <laughs> he blew a Russian man's mind. That's true. And that's
3: not that hard. that's not that easy to do. They they read a lot of philosophy. Yeah, that's mm.
1: right. They got big hats
2: mm-hmm. and you can
3: hide
1: you can put your mind in it and they keep your mind safe.
3: That's right. Absolutely. And warm.
1: Warm.
2: Now recalling the events, he doesn't remember much about this illness because his memories are quite foggy. But he did make it back to the station and once recovered, he himself, this is Marlow, returned to Europe, back to Brussels where his aunt took care of him. Representatives of the company came to Marlow's door to claim the papers that were given to him by Kurtz, but he only gives them the paper on suppression of savage customs with the postscript, the handwritten, exterminate all brutes, torn off of it. So he just gives them the rest of the paper. Another day, a second man... Uh, who claims to be the dead man's cousin, arrives and takes some letters to give to his family. He tells Marlowe more about the dead man Kurtz and tells him that uh, Kurtz was also a musician as well as a painter. And they both agree that Kurtz was a universal universal genius. Hmm. Finally, a third person arrives, a journalist, and says he was a colleague of Kurtz, who was also a bloody journalist. Jeez, what a polymath. Ah, he's doing it Whoa. all. And he takes some of the man's writings to publish them. So some of the papers he had, you know, thoughts on for a lot philosophical stuff and the journalist says, I'll publish it.
1: Was he a journalist or is he like a citizen journalist? He's like, yeah, I'm a journalist. And he just has a blog mm. and like he puts up a photo. More likely.
2: Like, yeah, he's got a Tumblr. Yeah, He's got a
3: bedroom that looks out onto a street and he just puts up little, you know, like a little bit of parchment onto the window so that people read it when they go by. And he
2: just yells extra, extra. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> Have you ca-
3: approached my
1: window? I feel like you could just roll that up and then throw it at people like a Absolutely. newspaper. You could deliver your own newspapers.
3: People could do it. People do it all the time. They write a newspaper and they deliver it themselves. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. I've seen yeah, that. Yeah. Every day. That's how Murdoch Do you mean Big started. W? <laughs> hey?
1: Big W do that.
3: Big W do it. <laughs>
1: I always unravel them like, ooh.
3: A lot of pizza places. Pants. They write up their own newspaper, which is mostly the types of pizza that they sell. <laughs> yeah. And then deliver it to your house. I oh. get
1: a lot of newspapers from real estate agents telling me that I can buy things in my building. Really
3: That's
4: confusing. Nice.
2: Yeah. Right. You're I'm, like, but I have a home and I'm, I'm already in, in the there. building. Yeah. But they're like, maybe you want two houses in this building.
1: I don't like that newspaper.
3: Mm.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: But yet it yeah, keeps they- coming.
3: So you're saying that they're the enemy of the people? Those journalists. Yes. Great. Are they
2: all enemies of the people? All enemies of the people.
3: <laughs> we did it.
2: Our final, our final part of the story is Marla goes to see uh, Kurtz's fiance. <gasps> that he mentioned to him once what? to give her what he has left of the things that Kurtz left him by now it's just a few photos and some letters by this point Kurtz had been dead a year but his fiance that Kurtz referred to as his intended never heard that phrase before mm. my intended quite like that was st- she's still in mourning for the man that's how, how great this guy was he was wow. gone he's been dead for a year and before that had been living in the jungles of Africa for several years that's for, crazy for at least a year and she's still mourning what him. a patient w- woman yeah and also he took many lovers in Africa.
4: Okay. But she doesn't need to know
2: that. No. no.
3: And he took a lot of the heads. Of
2: yeah. People. Oh, yeah.
4: She Both is? types. No.
2: <laughs> well, the fiancé asks if he was close with Kurt <laughs> and Marlowe tells her, quote, I knew him as well as it is possible for one man to know another.
3: Marlowe said that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, spent a few days with him. <laughs> day. That's very He's strange. He's like,
2: uh, I probably was more obsessed with him than even you were, so. Yeah.
1: Oh, He's like a super fan. (laughs) He's like a Kurt
3: Stan. He's a Kurt Stan. He totally is.
2: Well, He he brags to her as well. He says uh, that he was there when he died and that he even heard his final words. And the woman asked Marlowe what the words were. Remember, they were the horror, the horror. And he instead says, the last words he pronounced was your name. And she says, I knew it. I was sure.
3: Oh,
1: that's an awful. (laughs) Oh, cool. Can Can I just mention
3: that Kurt Stan? Sounds like a country in the USSR, oh, in the former USSR. It totally does. Yeah.
2: Kyrgyzstan. They have a space program that's <laughs> never
3: been to space. <laughs> but they launch a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 100% <laughs> fail rate. Yeah. Oh, well, try, let's rebuild. Try again, I
2: feel like we nearly got there that
3: yeah. time.
1: Just throwing things They don't do the it sky. with maths. They
3: do it with trial and error. Yeah, trial yep. and error. <laughs> We'll rebuild! (laughs) That's the country's motto.
2: Kurt Stan, we will rebuild. (laughs) (laughs) The final line of Heart of Darkness snaps back to our narrator on the ship on the Thames, the one who was recounting Marlowe's story. Mm. So the one listening to the story and then telling us about it. It goes back to him on the Thames. He says, "Marlowe ceased and sat apart, indistinct and silent, in the pose of a meditating Buddha. Nobody moved for a time. We have lost the first of the ebb, said the director suddenly. That's the captain of the ship. I raised my head. The offing was barred by the black bank of clouds and the tranquil waterway leading to the uttermost ends of the earth flowed sombre under an overcast sky. It seemed to lead into the heart of an immense darkness. End quote and finish novel.
1: I was legitimately going to guess earlier. I was like, I bet it ends on heart of darkness. I thought that. And then I was like, I don't want it to end on that. I want it to end in a drowning or an elephant stampede. Mm. And yet.
2: You got one of the three. Doesn't matter. The one you didn't want.
1: Going to write a fan fiction. It's going to end in elephant stampede. And then are some people
2: going to drown trying to get away from the stampede?
1: Uh, Maybe they stampede into the water. That would be kind of cool. So you get a bit of both.
3: Could somebody do some frottage on an elephant? (laughs) Please. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. I'm not sure what frottage is, (laughs) but. I'm guessing it's dry humping.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm guessing it's cheesy. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it's I made mean, it, it it a be. be. Is it a bigger stringer?
1: <laughs> I feel like I've read these fanfictions. All of them. Peel it. Everything's real. Peel, peel that
3: bigger stringer. String cheese. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, did you? When you had the stringer, mm-hmm. did you always used to just string it so that it looked like the one on the packet?
3: Yes. Okay. I string it to maximum stringability. And then dangle it in my mouth like a little cheesy mop. <laughs> clean that tongue up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like <laughs> <laughs> clean that tongue up, and for you, clean means dairy. <laughs>
1: this is the real heart of darkness. <laughs> oh
2: wow! Well, what do we think? That's that's the 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 end of it. It is obviously quite uh, it is quite a dark story, really.
4: Mm. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um. You know, I'd really like to hear a bit more of Marlowe's background. You know, did he have a sort of, you know, father or something that mistreated him or something? I you or? think that that's what caused him? I don't know. I don't think so. I think, I mean, look, but I mean, why is he going into these dangerous places?
2: I think for just the sense of adventure.
3: Mm-hmm. I know, but often people do that if there's, they they feel like there's something lacking. In there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And
2: I feel like a lot of the people are trying to get away from something.
3: Mm. You know, so, um, Look, I enjoyed it because it reminded me of that movie Apocalypse Now.
2: Did it really? I haven't actually seen Apocalypse Now. Mm. Did, is there much similarity in your mind now you've heard what it's about? The
3: part that it reminds me most of, and I don't remember Apocalypse Now that much, but meeting Kurtz, I do remember like some just kind of slightly sweaty ste- scenes with... Mm. with um, What's his name who played Kurtz? Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando. And he's looking real... I think he's bald and kind of like... Sweaty. Sweaty. And he's talking things that should sound very, uh, you know, wise and things like that. But mm. but that kind of madman wisdom.
2: You know? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he was spewing a lot of madman wisdom. You can yeah. kind of
1: just do – you can say anything if you say it with confidence. Absolutely. Especially when you're sweaty. I feel mm. like that adds – that adds so much wisdom to you, and surrounded
2: by the heads of dead people you've killed, most yeah. people start to
3: listen. Yeah, yeah, and if you've managed to make a tribe of people sort of believe that you're their leader, yeah, I mean there's a, there's a power to that. There's a certain hutzpah. Yeah, there's yeah. a chutzpah and there's, you know, you you've got some authority, which means that you're a bit dangerous, mm. especially with people who seem to be so ready to throw spears at people.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: I was just, dis- I think I was disappointed. I wanted more rivets. Didn't think there was enough. Mm. Really?
2: Not enough rivers? What about the scene where he threw shoes in the water out of anger?
3: Mm, yeah, that was nah, good. It, it, I enjoyed it, that it, scene. Yeah, it makes you wonder what kind of shoes they were like. Ooh, Adidas. Adidas. I imagine Adidas <laughs> yeah, a brand new pair of Adidas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Someone Dana. just
1: finding some Yeezys floating down the <laughs> street. Yeah, you'd be like, what the hell? That's cool. Free shoes. Mm. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel I was on here last time and we talked about all them all them leagues. 20,000 under the sea, leagues under the sea. And that was great.
2: Similarish uh, era.
1: But uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this one. I don't really. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would actually pick it up and read it. But I it is. I mean,
2: it's. I found it quite engrossing. But it is. It's not. It's not a nice story. Mm. Nothing. Yeah.
3: But I guess it is. It is also telling us about some pretty bad aspects of humans. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, Humans going, you know, a lot of uh, Europeans going to Africa and doing just tre- treacherous things. Yeah, so Africa. so that is a
2: big part of the racist debate. So the depiction of Africans in this story is that racist. That's what, and a lot of people say that yes, it is the way that uh, the, the the narrator describes mm. them when he's telling the story, that kind of thing. The N word is used quite a bit throughout the original text. Yeah, right. uh, these days I believe it's reprinted and they say other, other words
3: instead of instead of that. Mm. For obvious reasons. Just a nice but, person or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
2: but then other people have said like, well, actually the narrator is one of the few people in the story that seems to actually have any compassion for the people because when he sees the African guys chained together, he feels feels really bad for them and he questions whether they are actually criminals. There's a lot of the people. And there's no doubt that there was mm. some horrible stuff going on in the Belgian Congo during mm. this time uh, inflicted upon them by the white Belgian people. So... I don't have an answer because it's been debated about for over a hundred yeah. years.
3: Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely a nice win, an interesting window into uh, a world that I have no access to at all.
2: Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, well, describing the events is yes, yeah, some racist stuff happened, but is describing the events itself a racist thing to do?
3: Mm. I don't necessarily think so. Mm. But I
4: and then don't... obviously
2: Joseph Conrad was there on a steamship, so he saw some stuff, but then also he was wo- probably working for an ivory company himself, so that's not a nice thing to do no. with enslaved people. That's yeah. also not a nice thing to do. It so.
1: feels like there were no great people in this book. I no. would describe all the characters as sort of mm. not great.
3: Oh, maybe, maybe some of the Africans were really nice people, but we didn't get to find out. No. Because they, they weren't really treating them with uh, that much uh, kindness and respect. That is that is absolutely right. And I'm
2: feeling that Beck's
3: not going to give it a great score, but I
2: always ask you guys to give it a score out of five. Beck, you seem disappointed?
1: It was not riveting.
2: Oh, that is good stuff. Yeah,
1: it. I would give it, I don't know, like a f- f- four. Hey, what are we ready now? Out of or
2: five. Oh, out of five. And you can go, too high. you can go halves as well if you like, or percentages. Mm. Two. Two. I was, I was going to say. But
1: I feel like it it's was mostly not... in your retelling, so was... I don't know.
2: Oh, so you're blaming me for that?
1: No, mm. that it was good. Okay. Like, I think that too... Save that one, Bec. It, it yeah. would have been a one if it wasn't for you.
2: I appreciate
3: that.
1: You doubled its score.
2: Thank you. Two out of five. Al, what are you thinking? I
3: think I'm going to give it a three out of five. Three out of five. Um, because I think that there's, you know, it's definitely something you could revisit and get more out of and try to understand that a bit more. Mm. If there is more to understand. Maybe it's just about people going up a river. And coming back down.
2: No,
1: that's quite a bit.
3: Yeah. It's
2: quite psychological too.
1: Yeah, but you, instead you could watch the movie um, Without a Paddle.
2: Oh,
3: a yeah. A movie I haven't watched, but with, I imagine um, it's about a river. With Dax, Dax Shepherd,
1: Seth Green?
3: Oh. Oh,
2: that is an all-star cast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Wow. Oh.
1: You
3: read the whole book. Yes.
2: Yeah, I
1: feel, yeah you're probably the best one to rate it, really. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's
2: not my favourite thing I've read on here, but I definitely parts of it. That I found very engrossing, but I think I tend to agree. Back that there was they were so unlikable; it's hard to really root for anyone in the story. Yeah, they're nothing... all
4: mm.
2: terrible, terrible
3: people. You can root for yourself finishing the book. Yeah, like, I was oh.
2: re- willing myself over the line at the end, <laughs> <laughs> willing myself over the line. But before we go, there's only one thing left to do, and that is to quickly shout out to some people that support the show on Patreon. Oh yeah. People uh, are able to tell me their favorite book, and I read it out, and uh, we talk about their choices.
3: Wow, that's great.
2: Love that. Fantastic. my favorite
3: bit so far. uh, You love that bit? I love that It's the favorite segment of the show? I mean, it's the one I come back for.
2: Yeah, great. You just skip to the end for this bit (laughs) to get some suggestions. I always
3: skip through the first hour of the the podcast.
2: This is where it gets good Now if people want to support the show on Patreon uh, They're also supporting Do Go On, my other show Oh my god With uh, Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart And also Matt Stewart's other show, Prime Mates
3: Right Podcast mm. about
2: primates and popular culture
3: And does that, do they also support um, Jess's career on Triple J?
2: Yeah, that's right She doesn't get paid to do that
3: No No, great.
1: the taxpayers, we support that's her That's right It's a, it's a volunteer
2: that's role a- paid mm. for by the Patreon I avoid paying taxes
1: Oh, okay <laughs> <It's laughs> That never great mind Great work
2: yeah. Uh, so, people... so that-
1: work. Sorry. <laughs> Good work. Don't pay tax. Yeah. Thanks. Fight the
2: power, baby. I even avoid
3: sales tax. I don't buy things. <laughs> I, I trade through barter GST? system.
2: You don't pay GST? <laughs> no. You pay 90% of the price that people have. Yeah. People <laughs> have Were you drinking
1: that coffee that Andy found on the road?
3: Hang on, what? Yeah, no, we drink. Yeah, Andy finds things on the ground and then we drink them. So, he had a bag of coffee, gra- like ground coffee. Found it on the ground and we drank it all throughout uh, uh, my last. Job. I can't
1: stop thinking about it.
3: Mm, it didn't taste very good, but it was, it was garbage. Free.
1: It was garbage coffee. <laughs> Where was
2: it found?
3: Just on the ground. That is, like, like you know, in just a on bag? the street. Like, yeah, I think it was just on the street. Somebody had thrown it to the ground, or dropped it, or it, was, or it or had fallen out of a bin. And and it tasted good. No. Did it taste free though? It tasted very free. I love that. That's the best. And hence I felt free. There
1: was a hundred percent free off coffee somewhere else in the office too. I
3: want to drink free. <laughs>
2: oh, that is
1: Okay.
2: Mwah. Beautiful. Now, so uh, people have suggested their favourite books here, and I'd like to shout out and thank them now to Dean Clark, who wrote to me my favorite book, The Martian. Because it is the first thing I thought of and I don't read that many books. I will most likely think of something else later and regret this. But this is a fantastic book. Great reason.
1: Great. Good. Have you seen
2: or read The Martian? That's the Matt
3: Damon film I believe.
1: I reckon I have hit play on Netflix about five times. Have not watched all the way through. (laughs) A
3: ringing endorsement. Yeah, I'm interested in in watching it. I like that poster. It says, bring him home.
1: I think the book I've heard is better.
3: Oh, okay, well, apparently it's fantastic. Here we Dan go. Clark. Thank you, Dean Clark. Good choice. Uh,
1: Kevin Ulysses Packrat.
2: was a fantastic supporter oh. of, mm. uh, of uh, my other show, Do Go On. Uh, my favourite book has to be The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. It is just the perfect amount of absurdity and wackiness and the story beats are just f- fantastic, so I love it. Also, the universe that Adams creates is amazing and holds so many possibilities.
1: Agreed. Love Dirk Gently. Dirk Gently books are my faves. Oh, there you go. There we go. I've read a book. I think I said that last time I was here. Uh, and I have started uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and I have it sitting. I usually take it with me on holidays and never get through it. But now I will. Well, Kevin Ulysses-Packrad
2: is telling you you need to get on it. I'm bloody going to do you it. You know, Thanks, Kevin, Kevin.
3: Packrad has been a, a big supporter of Two in the Think Tank and so I appreciate that also.
2: Oh, my good This episode is perfect.
3: Yeah. Such a crossover. Thanking all the big guns. Oh my goodness! I mean, I'm glad to have the. Just, I came here to find out what listeners also, you know, (laughs) contacted. And uh, hey, Kevin, and uh, I also like uh, Douglas Adams, and I would read more of his things if I can just finish White Noise. (laughs) Oh my goodness!
2: Just get it done. That's it. I'm going to book cheat White Noise. I'll get you on. I'll tell you how it finishes, and then you can move on with the rest of your life. How about
3: that? I'm enjoying this book too much. Oh oh (laughs) gosh. And finally, I'd like to, like
2: to thank Sarah Young, who told me her favourite book, Watership Down. It's Ooh. about rabbits, and actually quite dark for a kid's book.
1: Mm. Mm. There you go.
3: Wait, Black Hawk
1: Down? Uh, Watership Down. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Yeah. Two different things.
3: But, I mean, are they based on a similar story? Was the, Is that Watership that had come down in Somalia? Yeah, that's right. And, um
1: And is Eric Banner in that one? Yeah,
3: Eric Banner's in Watershed.
1: I used to think that, um, you know, when people say after the watershed, yeah, like on television, I used to think that was about Watership Down because it was so scary. Um, But uh, that's not related. So that story was pointless. (laughs) No, 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 but
3: I I still don't know what Watershed Down is. Uh, Watership
1: Down's like, it's about rabbits. They're kind of, it's all very scary. It reminds me of like Animals of Farthing Wood, which is a TV series, an old one.
3: Mm,
2: Terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's the same sort of vibe. It's like that. I don't know. I think it's all like people die- Like rabbits die in it. And, okay.
3: Uh, like me. it's a rabbit abattoir.
1: No, a uh, rabbit.
4: Say it. Say it. Someone say it. Someone yes. say it. Please.
2: That's
3: good
1: stuff.
2: That is good stuff. Mm. An hour and a half in. We are still coming up with the gold. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Elephants
2: are big. So thanks to Dean, Kevin, and Sarah, all the supporters of the show. Appreciate that. You can do that at patreon.com slash do on pod. And it keeps all the shows that fall under the do go mini network. Rockin' and rolling. Appreciate that. And um, you guys also have some fantastic podcasts that I'd like to tell people to check out. We've already heard the Two in the Think Tank is very popular with uh, some of the
3: suggestors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the people who like Book, Book Cheat also like Two in the Think Tank, a podcast where we come up with sketch ideas, me and Andy Matthews.
2: Which is a, a gay old time. And The previous episode I had you on was with uh, Andy as well, where mm-hmm. we talked about the seagull, the Chekhov play. That's right. Do you remember anything from that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Somebody found a dead bird. Did they find a dead bird?
2: Yeah, that was a dead bird, a seagull.
3: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was all set near some water. And I think there was like a rich family. And Yeah, wow, well, you remember? Look, this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so we, we we did that with Andy Matthews and mm-hmm. that. And then I also do a podcast alone called uh, Shusher of Guided course. Meditations. And uh, that's just me doing guided meditations that are both uh, relaxing and uh entertaining and funny i think sometimes and also there's longer sleep episodes in which uh people have said you're actually helping them i actually helped them put to the, sleep. put them to sleep
1: They said other things too
3: yeah this is i did get one review where somebody a lady said from italy said that she masturbates to my to, to, to really the review how many stars you got five oh thank god i imagine that four stars <laughs> Could be sexier. Yeah. Wow. I, I look. There's no reason why anyone would masturbate to these I think. So I think maybe that
1: sounds like a challenge. You've just said a challenge, and I love it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Good on you. Anyway, let me know if you can if you can <laughs> nut one <want> out to <laughs> to any episodes of Shusher.
4: Oh God.
2: Let us know. And Beck, you have some fantastic podcasts as well. I Tell just- us about those. <laughs> A uh, fantastic podcast that uh, people are listening to and doing God knows what to at home.
1: Perfect. Whatever they want. This is free country, people. <laughs> Look, uh, I've got Kentucky Fried Chatten, which is- Oh,
2: with- imagine if people <laughs> <looked at>
3: that. <laughs> people talk- have to be bashing one out to that.
1: <laughs> Especially just to the chewing noises alone. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, nice. yuck. Uh, Xavier Michaelides, Peter Jones, two comedians that I do it with. I've both been on um, this show as well. And we uh, have completed the KFC menu, at least in Australia, so you can actually listen through as we review every single menu item on the KFC menu. We are planning something else. It's going to be a little bit later in the year because uh, everyone's jetting off to different parts of the globe, but we are coming back with a different – sort of show, but it will be about fast food. So please do uh, subscribe to that mm-hmm. feed because then we'll put it up on there. Yeah, again. fantastic.
2: And is there any chance while well, the people are jet setting that they'll be able to try new menu items from the That's s- a good perspective question.
1: KFC? Uh, we probably should do that. That's a – okay, good tip. Thanks so for do you, yeah, producing. Do I'll pay you some money. <laughs> do
3: you think that if you add another pro, like another branch of mm. you know fast food to this um, podcast stream, yep. you could call it the two-piece feed?
2: <laughs> oh, that's good. It's and good, well
1: but it's actually it. a, a three-piece feed now. Well,
3: two-piece feed used to be a thing. Yeah, it did. Well, once you get three...
2: Do you have to put that in brackets? Two-piece feed used to be a thing.
1: <laughs> two-piece feed, we're aware that it's three-piece feed now, but that's just better for the show. Uh, you can also watch Gamey Gamey Game. Uh, it's on YouTube. Mm. Um, I think you've both been on it. Yeah, you've both been on it. Yeah, um, yeah I've been on an episode. It's a show about games, but it really isn't. It's just we get comedians on. Uh, I think... A few episodes back, people have really given up on us talking about games, and that's great. Um, I'm on a camera most weeks. You can see me walking around placing different items on the I,
3: desk. I watch it just for the video games.
2: Just I watch it just for the placing of items on the desk. Yeah, yeah Thank I, you.
3: I watch Gamey Gaming Game just for the articles. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You are wasting your time, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's good. Great. So
2: I'll link to all of the things we just mentioned there in the description of this episode to make it easy for people to find your pods and YouTube stuff, and also links to the uh, the book cheat uh, social medias. It's basically at book cheat pod and everything. If you yep. want to follow that there, and uh, also just uh, if you want to suggest
1: a book, click the link in the description and uh, tell me why I should do an- a book, and maybe I'll do it. You should do My Immortal. It's a fan fiction and it's beautiful. Oh, really? Is there a lot of fromage? <laughs> there, there actually might be it and I can't quite remember it's just written uh, real good it, it's written real good
2: alright well that does bring us to the end of another episode of Book Cheat thank you so much for listening to everyone and as, as I have started to always say at the end of the show I will say first of all thank you to Al thank you to Beck for joining me appreciate, appreciate it us. thank you thank you so much and until we'll next week me. or next episode I will say books forever
1: <laughs> Good.
2: I'm saying it. I really like that I love that